Last time on Quarantine Quest. It was a good old-fashioned penthouse party for your favorite fancy boys. Lord Nero hit the open bar for baby's first drink. Torbjorn made friends with Bofi the barkeep. An uncomfortable Nico received incessant praise and an offer of patronage from Baron Merrick's to Caneth. An even more uncomfortable Humana found solace in the brief company of Matron Ulara from House Jurasco. Kalita and Edmund were nowhere to be found. All those swanky party vibes disappeared as the group stumbled upon murder most foul. They fought off the mysterious Warforged perpetrators before leaving it to the Sharn Town Guard and finally calling it a night. What is the truth behind the murder of Bonel Geldum? What happened to Kalita and Edmund? And most importantly, what kind of shopping is there in this crazy town? Stay tuned to find out. This is Quarantine Quest. One of the greatest wonders unique to Eberron, and to the continent of Corvair in particular, is the astonishing union of powerful magic and intricate engineering known as artificing. From the notorious lightning rail to the living constructs that are the Warforged, Corvarian artificers have forever changed the workings of Eberron as it moves even further into an age of modernity. But artificing is not a new craft by any means. This wondrous practice dates back thousands of years to the age when the giant empires still ruled the continent of Zendrik. These giants, and the elven sorcerers that were their servants and slaves, carved their knowledge of artificing and deep arcana into items known as schema, ranging from simple stone tablets with runes to massive bronze shapes covered with intricate instructions. These schema functioned as blueprints for the spells and arcane mysteries necessary to the artificer's craft. Many of these schema remained intact following the shattering of the giant empires, and many powerful wizards and children of the dragon marks collected them over the centuries that followed. House Caneth, the House of Making, used knowledge gained by researching schema to create the first Warforged. While the least of these schema could be no more than simple cantrips, the greatest of them held boundless and terrible secrets, magic that even the giants grew to fear. Most of these have never been found, or, if they were, the wise declared them better left alone. Yet there are some, those thirsty for power or knowledge, who seek them nonetheless. going to start off with an exercise that Mary actually introduced me to um, in order to get you guys into your into your character headspace into the into into who you're supposed to be uh, so I'm going to ask you a series of random ass questions about your characters um, like uh, for example one of my favorites was how does your character eat their pizza like in in what fashion does your character eat their pizza Starting with Kara. You look away, and then you look back, and it's gone. 
So nobody knows how you eat your pizza because nobody's fast enough to see you eat it. Excellent. Uh, Chuck, how does your character eat their pizza? Um, it would probably definitely be like a like loaded pizza, just like everything on it. Like so much that he's gonna have to like fold it in half. Um, <laughs> You're a fold in halfer. Yeah, uh, he's gonna eat. Yeah, a fold in halfer. Um, try and, and probably take it like in two bites. Excellent. How about you, Mary? How does how does Kalita eat her pizza? It depends if she's slumming it. She literally slouches and just lowers it into her mouth. Okay, what is slumming it? Because that can be an incredibly, like, offensive blanket term. So tell me what you're thinking when you say slumming it. I mean, she's got poor friends she sneaks out and sees and, like, just hangs out in their basement and drinks and eats food and complains about her family. <laughs> I like to hang with the poor sometimes. I find it entertaining. Pretty much. Uh, so, yeah, how do you, how do you eat your pizza? When you're when you're when you're slumming it, quote unquote. Literally slouched and lowers it into her mouth from above. Oh my god. And uh, then in front of people she cuts it up daintily like a fork with a fork and a knife. Oh my god. Okay, how about uh how about how about Lord Nero? Basically only with a fork and a knife. Kind of like slowly enjoying it kind of thing. It's Excellent. the finer things in life that make life <laughs> worth living. Fantastic. And, uh, okay, that's everyone. Let's see. Question number two. Um, a dog or cat? Is Jimena a cat person or a dog person? Or a different pet kind of person? Jimena is a cat person because her sister ruined dogs and birds. <laughs> so cats. <laughs> I don't know why I was not expecting that answer. All right, how about you, Chuck? How about uh, how about Torbjorn? Torbjorn uh, is definitely like a large dog kind of guy, like something big. Uh, some yeah, something big again. Awesome, uh, Mary. I mean, I I would strongly say you're probably a dog person, given that you literally just wouldn't let your dog die. Yeah. Uh, how about how about Lord Nero? What what kind of pets does Lord Nero have? Dog person, cats are mean. I resemble that remark. Uh, Kara, uh, I'm I'm gonna start referring you to you as your characters. Jimena, bike or razor scooter? Scooter. Scooter. Yeah. Hell yes. Torbjorn, bike or razor scooter? Probably like the sidecar of a bike. <laughs> I don't, I can't see a dwarf on a bike. Not I feel like he does he can't ride it very well. Um but he he still enjoys a good bike ride. You have you have servants to, to pedal the bike for you. Yeah, like those like kid carts that you like put in the back. He rides <laughs> in one of those. I am about it. All right. Um, I love you, Chuck. Kalita, a razor scooter or bike? Oh, 5,000% like glides on a scooter and pretends that she's a ghost. <laughs> that is her ultimate goal. <laughs> and Lord, Lord Nero Thaddeus Wraith. Oh, I definitely ride a bicycle. It's, it's more comfortable and stable. 
I like to ride my bicycle. I want to ride my bike. <laughs> um, alrighty, let's see. One or two more. Um, Jimena, favorite board game and why? Go. Blue. Because she's trying to figure out what's going on and doesn't like having... Like, she doesn't want to have to agree with her family on anything, so <laughs> at least she gets to argue with them on that point. Excellent. I like Clue because it gives me an excuse to argue with my family. Torbjorn, favorite board game and why? I Risk, we, we played it for, like, real life, um, like, practice, like, as a kid. Um, okay. You know. I, I like that. Take I like that. Um, so it kind of has like a mem, like a fondness, uh, like a childhood memory, but also like to take over the world. Excellent. I'm picturing Risk, but it's the Five Kingdoms, um, or the Twelve Kingdoms, I mm -hmm. guess. Uh, all right. <laughs> Kalita, favorite board game and why? I'd like to say Life because it's purely ironic. <laughs> Jesus, this is good. Uh, Lord Nero, favorite board game and why? I like Pandemic, mostly just because it's a game that me and my family can play together. <laughs> Panda, that's, that's too close to home right now, man. <laughs> too soon. Too soon for Pandemic. Also, well, well played. Sorry, that was not actually intentional. <laughs> you know what? It's worth it. All right, so we begin. Bum, bum, bum. So first, we must go over what Kalita has been up to. Uh, go ahead and roll a perception check, first and foremost. That's a 15, actually. That's a 17. Okay. So, so at this elegant gala that you all were attending last time, um, as everybody else is doing their thing and you're, uh, you know, you walked off to walk around and chit chat with everybody and schmooze. And schmooze. The member of uh, the, the Shadow House that you had been talking to. They, uh, one of the representatives, the Dark Elf one, walks up to you and gently whispers in your ear, I have a bit of information you might find a particularly useful here in the city if you're looking to make connections. Meet me on the street three levels below this tower later tonight. This is not the place to be discussing such things. Too many years. Okay. So, uh, you, while everybody else is having, uh, or I suppose just before everybody else is having the encounter on the bridge, you depart the party a little bit early and walk down the sets of stairs and towers and walkways that lead you down about three stories. You, uh, you notice him standing over in the corner uh, with a cloak up. It is raining ferociously and also beginning to thunder. 
Uh, so pouring sheets, it is not very pleasant outside at all. This had better be good. Oh, I assure you it is. Uh, walk with me for a bit, if you would. Pardon? Still dressed up for gala. He's going to sigh and snap his fingers, and a tensor's floating disc is going to appear above your head and act as a magical umbrella. Thank you. Yes. Uh, ignoring the rain, he's going to continue walking alongside you. I presume that, well, I suppose it's harmful to presume you've just arrived in the Five Kingdoms. Twelve Kingdoms? You've just arrived in this place that I know very, very well um, for the first time. Have you perchance heard of the uh, Chudwell line of either hotels or microbrews? It seems mildly inescapable, but I appreciate the beer. A, a, a woman of varied taste, I see. Yes, to say the least. Have you heard the urban legend at this point of what happened to uh, our poor, he smirks, Mr. Chudwell? I figure something happened to him. Seems like he's just poof. Yes, well, he disappeared, according to his wife, possibly across the sea with a consort or something of the sort. She, she caught him in a brothel. Several days later, she cast a poor street urchin boy, stripped of his clothes, into the street, claiming that he was a thief who had broken into the home. These two things may seem entirely unrelated, but for those with, and he smirks again and points at your ears and then his, both of you being elves, for those with ears to the ground, there was also a rash of incidents over the next several years of establishments having to forcibly remove a teenage boy causing a ruckus. With a little bit of digging, it wasn't hard to find out that this ruckus was the same young boy claiming to be Edmund Chudwell trapped in a child's body. You have my attention. <laughs> I thought I might. Edmund Chudwell is, in fact, here in this city today. The boy is, in fact, Edmund Chudwell trapped in a child's body. His wife, the widow, legal widow, Mrs. Chudwell, is not entirely who she appears to be. A rich aristocrat, yes. A, a sorcerer of note. You, you can find a, a degree or alma mater of hers hanging in at least two of the major universities here in the Twelve Kingdoms. But beyond that, she also holds court with a couple of very we shall say, darkly talented arcane cabals. Hmm. Her transmutation magic is substantial, to say the least, and augmented, in this case, I fear, drastically misused. Are you familiar with schema? And go ahead and roll a, uh, a knowledge check. I believe that would actually uh, spellcraft or arcana uh, you could roll knowledge history as well. Okay, because then I have a bonus. Yes. So that's plus four or whatever I roll. Eighteen. Eighteen. You know exactly what a schema is. I've never actually seen them put together, but I have I've seen pieces. Well, these cabals are often 
recruited by either outsiders or others within their order higher up to acquire Schema from either Zendrik or occasionally even the Mornlands. They live on the edge, one could say. They have completed several smaller Schema. One of these, I believe, was used to curse Edmund into his current body. The houses, obviously, have Schema of their own. In the sundering of the two houses, the House of Death and the House of Shadows, there were many Schema lost. One of them, an incredibly powerful transmutation Schema, meant to be used only in the short term by our sorcerers to create spies. Sometimes to give the bodies of the deathless a slightly more aesthetically appealing and less vaguely aromatic demeanor. It was lost during the sundering of our house, and the arcana seems all too familiar. I can give you the location of Edmund Chudwell. He should be hanging somewhere down in the lower streets. I ensured that he had someone to meet there earlier during this party. Hmm. So, you can find him, oh, I'd say probably about five stories directly below us in the um, less savory parts of the city. If you hurry, you might be able to even make it to him before he does something incredibly stupid. He's also one of the richest men in the entire Twelve Kingdoms, with an entire network of contacts and safe havens if you get on his good side. And if you put him in contact with someone who could, I don't know, potentially recover and work the schema that his wife cursed him with, yours truly, he would be, and I do not exaggerate here, eternally in your debt. So he's, uh, he's going to nod. With this, I will bid you farewell, my lady. Good day. So do you head down and start looking for him? I mean, she's going to go grab her cloak. <laughs> it is pouring rain. She's still in her, like, nice gown. You guys did have a very nice hotel that you had a, resu- or a, a very nice inn in one of the, the towers that you had a reservation at. Um, so you go there and you leave a note for your brother and sister stating that, you know, you're out on business and you will return soon um, in sloppier handwriting than you intended. Uh, Jimena, you will remember you and Arcturus finding this note last time uh, when we ended the session. And you do genuinely intend on being back in no more than a couple hours. Um, the problem being, you spend most of the night looking around for Edmund Chudwell, partially because... The, the more you think back on your, your lightning rail trip and your many stops, the more you think, like, realize that every inn had had the kegs with his name on it. There had been establishments with his brand all over the place. So he would indeed be an incredibly lucrative contact. But he's nowhere to be found. And then you spend several hours trying to find your way anywhere in this maze of distractingly dirty and well-ill-constructed streets um, before you finally give up, 
manage to make your way back to the tower and kind of slump in the door to a heavily snoring Arcturus. Jimena, you sit up. Like, as we discussed before, you barely sleep, fitfully if you do sleep. And so you bolt upright and awake the minute that Kalita attempts to kind of tiptoe through the door, absolutely soaking wet and drenched to the bone. And you've been where exactly? Doing my job, making contacts, trying to make contacts, not finding the contact I was supposed to find. Slightly bitter. Thanks for asking. Jesus. It's late. I'm tired. I'm soaking wet. I'm not dealing with this today. That's in my brain. Exactly today at this point. You leave us a note. We both are worried about you, and all we get is, I'll be back later. Really? I'm an adult. I can go do what I want. Mother and father trust me, which is more than I can say for you. Thankfully, at this point, the conversation is interjected with the incredibly concerned Arcturus's... (laughs) And he turns over and lies down. Uh, for, For someone who doesn't actually breathe, he makes an obscene amount of noise in his sleep. But everyone everyone kind of falls asleep, or mostly falls asleep, for at least a few hours. But elves don't have to sleep. Oh, yeah, that's right. Elves, yeah. Like, Arcturus is definitely hours. weird, then. Arcturus is real weird. He just enjoys it. He's the amethyst. It is, it is now canon. <laughs> He's definitely the amethyst. <laughs> Wait and, a minute. That makes me the pearl, mm-hmm. and you the, the garnet. No, she's not a garnet. Rude. <laughs> You're like Lapis and Peridot fused. I can deal with this. Or you could be just Ruby, but you haven't been angry enough yet. Yeah. Probably not drunk enough yet. No. Well, it is now canon um, that Arcturus, unless otherwise uh, occupied, insists on lying down for eight hours, uh, supposedly to realign his spirit with his eternal body. Um, you suspect it's just because he wants to be lazy. And uh, these noises are a side effect that you get a different excuse from him for every time. Um, so, just as you were beginning to drift into deep meditation, Kalita, you guys get a on your indoor. And, um. Who dares disturb my slumber? So, uh, as indicated last time, at the end of last session, uh, you go to open it and then look down and see that there's a slip of parchment that has been slipped under there, and the note, as you got last time, was, If you would know the truth of Bonal Geldum's murder, go to the broken Allenville Tavern at dawn. What did I miss? Murder. Wait, are you in our room, just randomly? <laughs> Torbjorn just pops out from under the bed. Murder. Murder most foul. I mean, it's not like death is permanent. It should be. <laughs> That's your opinion, sis. And it's wrong. Can both of you stop fighting? I haven't gotten my six hours yet. Well, we so. gotta go, brother, so let's go. <clears throat> Come on. Out of bed, big boy. Also, for the first hour after he quote-unquote wakes up, he is canonically a literal zombie. (laughs) Does coffee help? Uh, No, not at all. So, we are going to skip forward to the Broken Anvil Tavern. How's everyone feeling this morning? What's what's everybody's... uh, 
thoughts and thoughts and processes about what happened last night. Uh, Nero, let's start with you. Uh, you slept back at your dormitory in the college, which uh, Benjamin had recently introduced you to. Um, you haven't seen Benjamin today, most likely. He is uh, mourning the death of his uh, academic compatriot. Definitely a mixture of, like, somber and kind of anxious. Like, yeah, there's training and, you know, actually a little bit of combat magic, but actually being thrust into defending yourself and your life is a little daunting. Definitely. How about, let's see, Kalita, you weren't there. Um, so how about Torbjorn? How are, how are you feeling about this fucking rapid-fire shenanigan of a day and night so far? Still kind of going over, like, the like the things that like, had happened last night, but, like, kind of, like, kind of a lot of overthinking in my head. Uh, but very, like, um, kind of used to the fighting. Got it being attacked and stuff so like that part didn't really affect me too much rather than like the random dead guy yeah the 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 murder was kind of the murder in the middle of the street was kind of unsettling (laughs) otherwise it was just a good brawl how about Humana yeah Humana is disturbed that there would be a murder in the middle of the street but you know, a fight. Eh. It, it's. It all pales in the comparison with the fight with her sister and the fact that her sister was gone half the night. <laughs> I think it. I think it is. It is a wonderful piece of character building that you know, fighting like three strangers who just killed someone in the middle of the street is less anxiety inducing than your relationship with your sister. My sister is the reason I am so high strung. Let's be real. So, um, the Broken Anvil is a small tavern located in the Mason's Tower, uh, a short squat tower, uh, pretty close to Morgrave University. Um, a sign above the door indicates that the establishment belongs to House Galanda, which is the uh, other halfling house besides House Jurasco. Um, they are the house uh, or the dragon mark of uh, courtesy and hospitality. Uh, a strange power to have, but no less effective. If there is anyone who could give Edmund Chudwell a run for his money, and usually does, it is House Galanda. The difference being that. It's their purpose in life, not just a way to make obscene quantities of money. So, as you guys enter the room, uh, the uh, halfling matron welcomes you and leads you to a secluded table near the back of the common room. Uh, The halfling walks up to uh, a woman who is already seated at the table in an intricate blue robe with her hood drawn, uh, and she says, My lady, your guests have arrived. Uh, The matron is a very, very dark tan-skinned with pale blue eyes. Uh, She's got a head full of uh, dreadlocks kind of pulled up into a big bun set on the back of her head, and she's dressed in uh, vibrant reds and yellows and all sorts of colors like that. And so she's going to set down a pitcher of water, and then she comes back with a pitcher of wine and a pitcher of ale uh, almost faster than you can keep track of her. You don't know where she's getting these things, but lo and behold, there they are. I will, for the sake of convenience, just say you all got there at about the same time. Um, 
or maybe waited for each other awkwardly outside the inn. And, uh, yeah, you sit down across from this woman. Does anybody uh, start start a conversation or ask a question, or you just kind of awkwardly get seated? I'm going to give uh, Mr. Whisker some scratches. Nero would probably greet the others. Oh, Arcturus Sorry. is just going to give a nod. Greetings. Tired grumble. So uh, the uh, it's a human female, you see, as she kind of sits up straight. She keeps her hands on her lap. Uh, she's wearing a dark blue cloak, as I said, or I said light blue, my bad. Um, she pulls back the hood and looks at all of you. She has delicate features, dark blue eyes, and sleek black hair bound with a silver and turquoise uh, band. Uh, you see that she wears a signet ring of House Caneth on her right ring finger. Um, and she speaks to you in a soft but clear voice and says, Thank you for coming. We have important business to discuss that relates to the unfortunate death of Bonal Geldum. I apologize for bringing you here at this hour of the morning. It's uh, the slowest time in the tavern. How, how are you all doing after last night? Admittedly, a bit disturbed, and but I do wish to know about this. I want to know why he would be attacked. Humana is just going to glare at her sister. <laughs> does does uh, Torbjorn just give another awkward morning grumble? Yeah, not much of a talker in the morning. Um, also, key character question here. We're going to do another defining character moment. Uh, do you reach first for the water, wine, or ale? Torbjorn, go. Ale. <laughs> is fantasy coffee not an option? I mean, you could you could ask uh, you could ask the house matron. Do you have coffee? Uh, I I could I could brew you a cup. It'll take a few minutes. Can I have it black like my soul? Uh, sh- sh- sure, sure, kid. And she's Thank gonna <laughs> she's gonna turn around and start walking Before away. Before she goes, Humana is gonna ask if she can make a cup of tea as well. And of course, dearie. Uh, do you want black, green, herbal? Black is fine. All right. <laughs> Got a dark soul too, I see. She's gonna kind of chuckle to herself um, and go fetch go fetch tea. I'm gonna let out a big belly laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and that one's gonna get me going. You're all laughing, but like anything she says that sounds like it was on a Hot Topic shirt, she is not kidding. <laughs> it's not humor. It's literally just her <laughs> because she's never been told otherwise. <laughs> No, nobody in her family of living dead and necromancers have, has ever told her that her nihilism is campy. What a surprise. Um, Nero, what do you reach for? Um, you probably, hearing the, hearing the tea, would perk up at that. As, I, I would also like a queen tea, please. And perhaps um, some toast. I'll, I'll, I'll get that going for you. Um, and she kind of looks, looks awkwardly at the, the other lady, and she's just going to say... I've, I have the entire table today. You're, you're, you're free to help them do whatever they want. So the the matron nods and prances back off and disappears behind the counter and does her thing. Uh, so the woman introduces herself um, as Eladrin Devon of House Caneth. Um, she explains that she is a, a cousin of the dragon-marked blood, but she is not a dragon-mark heir herself. She doesn't bear the mark. 
Um, she simply does a lot of the the politic work, um, does some some hiring for house staff, and just various other things that nobility of the Dragon Houses is expected to do. I unfortunately, other than a brief overview from the Chief of the Watch last night, I, I haven't. I don't actually know who any of you are. Um, I, I suppose we'll start with our uh, esteemed guest from Carnath, uh, Lord Lord Nero, I believe. Is that correct? Ah, uh, yes. That's I am Lord Nero Thaddeus Wraith. I'm, I'm here to go to the college. Excellent, excellent. Despite its uh, sometimes overworked reputation, Mulgrave University is a fantastic place to be. And my house has a very strong presence there, so I'm sure you will enjoy yourself. Have you yet met uh, Benjamin, the, the General Studies Provost? Uh, yes, I have. He actually is the one who invited me to the party. I'm not surprised. Uh, he and he and Bonal Geldum were very close, I'm afraid. Um, how about my esteemed elven guests? Uh, may, I, may I have your names, simply as a matter of courtesy? I'm Kalita. This is my sister. She can introduce herself. Himena. And our our esteemed friend from the Holds of Mror. Uh, how how do you do, Sir Dwarf? Just Danny. I'm Tor 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 Tor. Have you have have you maybe ale first thing in the morning isn't 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 the best idea. Himena is going to snort <laughs> at the fact that Torbjorn cannot come up with his own name. <laughs> Sir Barrelman will be fine. Uh, Sir Barrelman, I, I know the name of the house well. I suppose we will get right down to business. At this point, the matron is going to bring by the, the teas you asked for, um, and the coffee, which you all begin daintily sipping, or, you know, however you drink your tea or coffee. She's going to launch into what she's brought you here for. Um, she says, I have been working with Provost Geldum to recover a family heirloom. We were to meet, well, last night, but as you know, he never made it. I learned from the watch what had transpired, and I sent out for my men to track you down and leave you those letters. Obviously, we're not going to drag you kicking and screaming, but being accidentally involved in handling the situation as well as you did, I figured you would be as able to help me as anyone. The heirloom, according to my family legends, was locked away in a foundry. It dates back to pre-Galifar Sharn. Bonal believed he had discovered the location of the foundry in an ancient House Caneth journal. Uh, I was going to fund an expedition to go for the site if he had found it, but without him, I'm... Her voice kind of trails off. She looks around to make sure, you know, no one else is close by, including the matron. And then she leans close. Perhaps any of you might be willing to recover the heirloom for me. For a generous reward, of course. I, the, the chief gave me Bonal Geldum's journal last night. Um, here, I'll, I'll return it to you since you were the ones that saved it for him. I, she's going to pull it out of her pouch, set it on the table, and uh, she extends her, her ring um, uh, with the house canon symbol on it. And the symbol shifts as she gets it near the journal into the same symbol that's on there. And much like um, 
when you got his ring close to it uh, that you still have on your person, Torbjorn, they begin to glow. The little mithril threads uh, on the symbol in the front of the journal line up, and she uh, she opens up the journal. And uh, she's going to start flipping through some pages and then points at uh, a series of text. There. Uh, it seems that he underlined here the location of the lost foundries within the uh, Dora Shan Tower. It's one of the one of the oldest towers in the city, definitely not the tallest. It's getting slightly dilapidated. Uh, the, the lower levels are in the um, the most unfortunate parts of the city, so I, I do apologize for that. Would any of you, I suppose, be willing to assist me? I, the, the House Kenneth has a great deal of resources. I'm, I'm sure Baron Merricks has spoken to at least a couple of you already. What do you mean by unfortunate, as far as the the building is concerned? Oh, um, I, I simply meant that the... Um, the, the sections of the city uh, that have kind of sprung up and developed around the lower parts of the tower are, uh, well, they're, they're communities of intense poverty. Uh, there's many goblins and shifters and uh, various drifters and immigrants that like to kind of hang out down there. It's, uh, it's definitely not the most savory. You, you shouldn't be any, in any danger, per se, um, as, as long as you're, you know, wearing your your colors or say that you have passage from House Kenneth, but... Oh, it's I, not so bad. Uh, you, you sound as if you've been there. Have you? Is that where you were? Well, um, I, I, I will not pressure you one, one way or another. You're free to go about your own business if you'd prefer. I'm aware. No, no, no. It's fine. I, I would, I would be honored to help you. And as, as far as reward, I, I was going to put forth a, a modest fee of uh, 1,000 gold pieces. Um, I, I can also offer benefits such as house patronage or uh, any, anything of that sort. Also, there was... Speaking of house patronage, there was, there was supposed to be another one of you, a, a young gnome. Have, have any of you seen him? Not since last night. Interesting. Um, well, he must have declined the invitation, which is... Uh, more than acceptable. Not everybody <laughs> comes to a tavern at the beck and call of a mysterious stranger. How about how about you, Sir Dwarf? I, I hear much about the the combat prowess of of the noble House Barrowman. Yes, I uh, do have some things for my father to do, but I can uh, also take some time to help you out as well. I would. I, I deeply appreciate it. I. If, if it is the connections or, or anything your father is looking for, or if he uh, wishes to requisition resources, I, I have many, many contacts throughout both my house and the city. Absolutely. We'll definitely be in touch. And uh, of you, my esteemed elven guests, it, it, it's you I fear to impose upon the most. You've traveled a long way for your own reasons and devices. We require patronage and nothing less. I, I did I did offer that so excellent that's pretty <laughs> pretty self-explanatory um, I suppose you probably don't speak for all of you and how, how about you young lady someone has to keep Kalita out of trouble oh little sister Arcturus well he goes with us um, so lady Eladrin is going to go ahead and give you guys the journal um, and uh, kind of 
push it across the the table towards who who would reach for it first, I guess. I would. Okay. Most likely. Okay. So uh, you you reach out, kind of touch the journal, pull it back towards you. Uh, Fifty-seven levels below the tower's present-day sewer system is approximately where the uh, the chamber containing the artifact lies. Um, I I can give each of you. Uh, 100 gold pieces up front of anything as a member of a dragon marked house I'm a, a woman of business so I'm afraid I cannot give you the rest or any of my other guarantees until you've returned the artifact to me so you're expecting us to go over 600 feet underground I'm not twisting anyone's arm you could go home listen I can't go home without you I'm not allowed to leave you here much to my chagrin can you stop arguing? I'm trying to sleep. You're dead. You don't have to sleep. This is what I We've say to get this. you both to shut up. At this moment, in the midst of this incredibly awkward situation, Lady Elasian, looking quite flustered, um, is going to say, I, I, can, I can draft you up a writ of patronage uh, right here and now. All I need is a piece of parchment if that would help cement your help. She's gonna pass, just like slam down her own journal and just be like... I, I can't write it in your journal, ma'am. I need an independent sheaf of parchment. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the constitution. It has to be written in fancy ink cursive on a very old piece of paper and then probably disregarded and misinterpreted completely in about a few hundred years. And she's going to kind of raise her hand and snap her fingers a couple times and a um, a man who's been standing against the wall pretty much unnoticeable this entire time uh, is going to just kind of detach himself and walk over to her pull out a sheaf of parchment not making eye contact with any of you as a good servant shouldn't and goes ahead and unrolls it on the table uh, so she begins drafting up the the writ of patronage I would I'm I'm sure none of you came equipped to the city with adventuring gear. I, I can recommend a couple of a couple of good merchants in town if you wish, or, or you could explore on your own. The, the gold I've given you as an advance should more than more than pay for what you need. I, he, he had mentioned he was sure he was going to need to uh, bring fire with him of some sort. I, he, he never told me for what, but um, amongst his many mutterings, that was something he kept repeatedly mentioning, so I, I don't know what to make of that, but uh, it, it might be some helpful advice. Also, the sewers and various other tunnels and ancient mazeways beneath Sharn, uh, they're, they're thousands of years old, and there's no telling whether they're still intact or whether some spelunking might be needed, so uh, grappling hooks and ropes would not be a, a, a terrible idea either. But I, I, I do deeply thank you. You have my personal gratitude and the, the gratitude of my house. Dungeon Master, for nearly the first time ever, are we actually going to have to do accounting in this game? Yes. Oh I, was, I was just about to say this to you guys as soon as this conversation was over. Um, unlike a lot of other games I've run, uh, you guys are rich and you all have your parents' credit cards. So shopping is definitely something that can be given some time in this game. Um, so I can either give you kind of some default equipment if you want to just say you go shopping, or you guys could actually go to a store and look for shit.
Hey there, adventurers and socially distanced citizens. It's me, your master of games and conduit for characters crafted with care, coming at you again to say thank you for listening. First, as you've likely noted, this episode is full of a lot of dialogue, exposition, and character development. In fact, it's mostly that. While it's not the fast-paced spell-blasting and villain-smashing you think of when you think adventure, it is nonetheless super critical to creating a cast and story that has defined edges, depth, and meaning, which is the kind of quality content we're trying to provide. Plus, if you're listening to a podcast, we're assuming that your expectations were likely not constant heart-pounding, door-kicking action. Uh, Secondly, we'd like to thank Tabletop Audio. All the background ambience and music you hear during the gaming session is from Tabletop Audio. It is the source, in our opinion, for background ambiences and music to enrich your gameplay experience. This site has an incredible array and variety of audio for streaming and download. It's all for free, but if you use their audio products to enrich your fun, please consider donating or supporting their Patreon. Lastly, we want to remind you, again, that America's movement for racial equality, justice, and social change is still in full swing. Nationwide protests and other social movements are garnering real results, including serious conversations about dismantling and reconstructing the justice system as we know it. Change is happening, but we've still got a long ways to go. Keep active and speak up. Cohesive visibility is starting to slowly fade, as it tends to do with major crises, and we cannot let that happen. Speaking of which, coronavirus is, in fact, still a thing. Please wear your masks, keep washing your hands, don't go to beach parties. Stay strong, everyone, and remember, change is critical. Now back to the adventure. All right, so you guys uh, find yourselves up in the market district, kind of walking around and looking at all of the various shenanigans and items that uh, are available. Um, One of the storefronts um, is embedded in the side of a tower, and uh, it just simply says, Mammy Margo's Magical Mumbo Jumbo, in big bubble comic sans font above the door. Um, But it has a very, very large, large floor on the inside, it looks like, um, and there's some very intriguing and intricate items in the windows. It's a little much, but it's also just, like, I might as well look. Is there a jar of heads in the window? Yes, there is. There is a very large, just piece of domed glass uh, with solid iron on the bottom, and in it is a surprisingly clear fluid containing three shrunken halfling heads. It's Christmas. Nero, does anything particular catch your eye, or anything uh, particular that you're? Uh, I don't know what would what would catch Nero's eye immediately. Um, specifically like a staff or something of that effect. Holy shit! Okay, give me just a minute. What was your alignment, uh, uh, Nero? I am neutral. Good. Alrighty. Um, you see, uh, what looks like. A, it, it almost looks like there's a, a tiny sapling growing in a pot in the window. Um, but as you get closer, you see that the pot is purely ornamental. There's no dirt in the bottom of it, just a bunch of uh, little little flattened glass marbles to hold it in place. And this staff um, is kind of just like gnarled natural wood um, honed to a very polished sheen. Something about it just seems very appealing. 
Um, it's got lots of leaves and vines carved into the uh, the edges of it. Not something that would normally catch your eye, except for at the top, uh, much like the staff that you have with the skull uh, embedded in it, is carved the kind of, it's like a really old, detailed Norse looking, so like a little dark, a little blocky, you're not sure whether it's supposed to look powerful or scary, uh, face of a, um, a wood woad, an ancient, uh, an ancient race of tree people that are, you know, mythological, but um, are considered to be sacred guardians of, uh, of nature in all the dark places. Seeing this, Nero's definitely going to go inside the shop and go, go ask the curator about it. Okay. Um, have any of you ever been inside an FAO Schwartz? This is the FAO Schwartz of magic items and mystical mumbo-jumbo shops. Um, yes, Mary? Is there a staff of withering? A staff of what? Staff of withering. It's a legit D&D item. I googled it all by myself. Let me see. Absolutely fucking not. So um, as you guys walk through the door, kind of looking all around, um, in the center of this massive, massive sales floor with, you know, people teaming and representatives in, um, in like, purple tunics with a giant series of four M's on them, on them in the middle, also in Bubbly Comic Sans font, in, in the center of this huge floor, there is a round, uh, like, airport-esque uh, kiosk and there's a, there's a woman standing behind it. She's a gnomish woman. And uh, as soon as you guys walk in, she's going to uh, hop up on the counter and just go, customer! And all of the staff at once, with eerie unison, are going to stop, turn their heads toward the door, and say, welcome to Mammy's, where there's a one in 20 chance that you can find literally anything. And then they turn around and begin uh, going about their business. So, um, she's going to skitter up to you guys. All of my associates are busy because my shop is the best one in this whole fucking city! What can I help you with? Um, I was originally looking for a rod of absorption, but I saw that staff in the window, the one with the, uh, uh, almost the, the tree face. Oh, you've got expensive taste! You want me to tell you about it? I would love that, actually. Oh, fan-fucking-tastic! And so she's gonna hop down off the counter and, like, skitter towards, uh... You notice she's got very short legs, even for a gnome. Uh, and she begins skittering towards the, the sales window where you saw this staff. Um, and she's, uh, kind of, like, giggling to herself, like... <laughs> Is it weird that when you say skittering, I just imagine, like, four-wheel drive skitter? Like... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, she walks up to, uh, this, this staff, and she pulls it out of the pot, um, shaking a couple of flattened marbles off of it. Uh, it looks like the bottom is actually, uh, carved as a series of intricate roots, um, so it, you could almost use it like a walker if you were super, super old, like a walker cane. But she's going to set it down on the ground. She's maybe half as tall as the darn thing. Um, and she's going to say, This is an ancient relic. Ancient indeed. So old, it's probably older than me. <laughs> Just kidding, I'm only 20. And she winks at you. So, uh, I, it's, it's very expensive. Very old. Very, very, uh, it, it's a relic. You want uh, it? But, 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 what does it do? 
probably cool things. Ah, well. It's 5,600 gold pieces. Do you have that much? Uh, what was that number again? 5,600. Probably not, uh, but I have... Do you have a I line of... And she grins. Credit? I do, but I think my father would probably try and hang me by my gonads. Uh, for that, <laughs> that sounds both gruesome and arousing. And she's going to turn around and uh, put the staff back in the pot full of marbles. All right. Are you looking for anything else, kiddo? Uh, well, uh, maybe a couple of scrolls with some fire magic and... That rod of absorption and perhaps some alchemist fire, if you have it. Oh boy! Well, let me uh, let me clatter around my store inventory scrying stone here. Uh, well, we don't have the rod of absorption, unfortunately. Oh boy, we've got an absolute shit ton of alchemist fire. I love playing with that stuff. <laughs> The, the, the fire scrolls are pretty fucking boring, but yeah, we've got a we got a whole section full of scrolls and shit over there. She just kind of vaguely gestures. The alchemist's fire is probably on the shelf above. The, yeah, the alchemist's fire is definitely on the shelf directly above the fire scrolls. And as she turns around and starts walking away, you hear her muttering, "That was probably a bad decision in retrospect." Uh, she then walks over to you, Kalita. I see you looking at the jar of heads. You like them? I do, do they blink? Uh, if you shake the jar hard enough. Ha! <laughs> I like you. I like you too, you look rich. What can I get for you? I don't know, I'm just kind of looking for something magical that sparks my interest. Oh boy, well you walked into the store, that's step one. Yep. Unfortunately, I can't take the jar of heads with me. Well, I can't think of a single reason you wouldn't take a jar of heads with you everywhere you go, but if you, if you say so. I know. I know. It's yeah. not socially acceptable. Try to take a jar of heads to kindergarten. Uh, you, you find a, a whole cubby full of uh, scrolls of um, flaming hands, scrolls of fireball, and then uh, there, are, there are several, um, like, uh, Pint, pint-sized vials of a cloudy green alchemist's fire on the shelf above. So, uh, how 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 much of, of each thing do you buy? They're they're at a, a fairly decent markup, probably for the uh, fantastically uh, kitschy store environment, uh, but they're not you know ludicrously expensive. How much are your scrolls? Depends on the scroll. If I were to buy Fireball. Well, here's a question, Missy. Can you cast Fireball? You got a you got a handy list that you keep on your person of all the magic you can do. I sure do. Oh my god. I'm also not sure if clerics get Fireball. I think it's a sorcerer wizard spell. No, I'm sad. Okay. Is there any acid? I'll take some acid. Maybe some caltrips. I don't know, depends on the kind of acid you want. You want the kind that's gonna melt stuff, or the kind that's gonna melt your mind? She kind of waves her fingers in front of her face. They make that? Yes. Oh, you're a good boy, aren't you? I've always had a thing for good boys. They're so easy to eat up. <laughs> anyway, uh, what, what was your answer there, miss? Yes. I already forgot your name, you're just creepy. Yes to what? Acid. 
What kind? Yes. I don't have, I don't know what that means. Both. Both! You are not getting hallucinogenic drugs. Well, I can't sell hallucinogenic drugs here. I didn't say I was gonna take them. I can't sell them here legally. And she winks at you. City code and all that. Uh, But the acid is right over there on the shelf above the alchemist's fire, which, once again, bad decision in retrospect. Yeah, Madam. you don't put your chemicals on my shelves, honey. Okay, sorry, not not flaming hands. Apparently you can't get a scroll of flaming hands. Um, they, they do have scrolls of uh, flaming sphere. I wouldn't mind that. And maybe my the, 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 uh, the reprimand that I will be getting back home Assuredly, might be worth the voucher for that staff you showed me. Oh, I'm. Oh! I always get them eventually. I always get them eventually. Um, okay, well, each of those scrolls of Flaming Sphere are 150 gold pieces. <laughs> and uh, the staff is 5,600 gold pieces. Woohoo! That makes me moister than an oyster. And then each of the uh, vials of Alchemist's Fire are, uh, are, are 50 gold pieces. So uh, it's up to you how many of each you want to grab. Yes, you creepy young lady over there with your hand raised. What you want? Is there a cloak of bat? A cloak of what? Cloak of the bat. What, do you want to be fucking Batman? Yeah, I've got a cloak of the bat. What is it? I don't keep track of my own inventory. What the fuck do you think I am? The owner <laughs> manager? While wearing this cloak, you have advantage on dexterity stealth checks. In an area of dim light or darkness, you grip the edges of the cloak with both hands and use it to fly at a speed of 40 feet. While wearing the cloak in an area of dim light or darkness, you can use the action to cast Polymorph on yourself, transforming into a bat. Uh, how much does it cost? It does not say. Oh boy. Mommy's gotta break out the Google! <laughs> <laughs> what? What's a Google? <laughs> yeah, if you don't know that, you're not a man yet. Dungeons and Dragons wiki, uh, 26,000 gold pieces. It's 26,000 gold pieces! I don't know, I get the feeling that the rest of the party is waiting impatiently outside the door for us to do literally fucking anything else. So, uh, did you want to buy something? I'll pass, but I'll be back. I... I, I think I'll take your staff, three alchemists, fire, and a, a scroll of flaming sphere. Okay, excellent. Now scrolls are only good for one use, so that, that's, all, that's all you want? I, I do believe that shall be it. Trying to be uh, frugal, huh? Don't want to piss off daddy. Okay. And uh, she, she pulls out like this stone tablet uh, from her pocket. And she starts punching it, and you look at it, and it's completely smooth. There's no numbers, there's no buttons. But every time she hits it, it just makes the All right, 5,900 gold pieces, please. Uh, do you take vouchers? No, I don't take credit. I'm just kidding, of course I take credit. How else would I get people in debt to me for life? Good thing I'm not a strange, sadistic old lady with an unpredictable sense of humor and morals, or you could be really scared about being in debt to me. Anyway, go ahead and hand over that voucher. When I grow up, I want to be just like you. Well, 
here's my voucher. Excellent. So, um, somewhere on your character sheet, go ahead and take one voucher off your total. And um, go ahead and create yourself a column on the back of your character sheet, or if you've got it digitally, wherever you can, uh, label debt and put okay. 5,900 gold pieces in there. Um, and if you want to write uh, the name of the story, you could just put four M's and I'll know what that is. And Kalita. Wanda Featherfall. Like three of them. Wanda, well, you don't need three. You can put like 50 fucking charges in the thing. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Planning on jumping off the top of the world? Jesus. I mean, 600 feet, but like down. 4,500 gold pieces. Alright, fine. 750. I'm not joking, that's a great bargain. How bad do you want it? Go. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, go ahead and subtract one from your total number of vouchers, and under the debt column, go ahead and write 750. And the other ones of you, uh, you each get a masterwork grappling hook and 50 feet of silk rope. Torbjorn, you get two sticks of dynamite. Yeah. Humana, you get a wand of magic missile with 15 charges uh, cast as a first level spell. And with that, we will begin the true adventure. Thank you for listening to Quarantine Quest, City of Towers. The cast of Quarantine Quest is Eric DeMaio, Chuck Welker, Aaron Deaton, Oren Brown, Kara Schmidt, and Mary Emmert. Dungeon Master is Dustin Sipes. Quarantine Quest is a production of Too Many Worlds Podcast Network. All audio editing and mastering performed by Dustin Sipes. Background Ambience is from TabletopAudio.com. Original intro and outro music by J. Karsten Neal. And as always, may all of your adventures be epic, and none of your treasure chests be mimics.